Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am Robert the Duke Fedoric. I am Corey, CJ Wesley. All right, so you may be asking where we've been. So we're sorry for the break, everyone. As you know, this isn't our day job. So we had kind of a short hiatus in January and February, just before the COVID-19 crisis. And then this all kind of blew up in our faces. And when that hit, Corey and I were kind of feeling a little like maybe the podcast topics were small considering the trials we're going through. And so that just kind of contributed to us not being around. Yeah. I mean, with everything that was going on in the world, it felt a little uh, odd to sit down here and record. But uh, as P.T. Barnum once said, the show must go on. And so tonight we're going to bring you something topical to uh, ServiceNow and the COVID-19 pandemic waging, uh, you know, the, the world right now. It's a little old news, what we're going to talk about, at least some of it, but it's still pretty big news if you're in the service now space. Uh, when Kim Kardashian tweets about uh, the L.A. COVID uh, response application and the, the link that she posts links back to a ServiceNow instance. I mean, that's pretty cool. I'm sure she didn't know what ServiceNow was or even what it could do, but the fact that she linked to that domain and it popped up, I mean, I'm sure that gave all of us a, a bit of a... Um, well, I tell you what, man. Like, how long have we been saying it's more than just ITSM? It's more than just ITSM. And then, like, nothing is less ITSM than Kim Kardashian <laughs> talking about pandemic response in right. a municipal government. If it was a different circumstance, I would totally say I told you so. Not you. Right. Like, I mean, we've been we've been hitting more than ITSM for as long as I can remember, Robert. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, ever since practically ever since we met. Like we've seen the the potential for the platform and that now it's evolved in so many different ways. Yeah. And when you when you look at it, right, it's just I mean, there's so many yeah. different ways, so many so, different different things you can do with it. From a purely kind of professional academic perspective, it's kind of a slam dunk. Okay, we've arrived, we've officially fully arrived when kind of celebrity Twitter comes in and says, Oh, look at this, and it's a big fat service now link. And you know, when that got me really thinking, LA clearly turned around a substantial ServiceNow application in a very short amount of time. And what does it take? What does it take to take an organization and deploy something that's way out of left field? super relevant to the business, but not necessarily ITSM, but do it quickly. What does it take to deploy big, powerful, important apps when it matters most? And we've got five points here that we're going to run through. So the first thing we're going to talk about is good architecture, which we wouldn't be CJ and the Duke if we didn't have a topic on architecture, would we? That's <laughs> <laughs> what we do. <laughs> it's our shtick. The, the idea of having good architecture as a prerequisite for deploying big, important apps quickly is if you don't have good architecture, you're just going to be fighting the system, right? You're going to be right. pounding it into place. You're going to be avoiding all of the landmines that you've put into place with bad architecture. So those years of doing it less quickly, but more slowly the right way pay off now when you right. want to just turn around and say, Hey, I got, I want to deploy an emergency response app tomorrow and good architecture is one of the, like is kind of five pillars to getting that done. Yeah. I mean, it, it absolutely gives you that head start that you need so that you're not fighting the system to get the work done. So much effort is often spent on just fighting the system. Right. And then we're talking about bad architecture only, right? So like on, in good architecture and okay architecture instances, is less of a problem. But the better your architecture, the less mines you're stepping on from other stuff. Like I, I worked at an account where literally to add a new assignment group was 40 hours of labor because you're messing around with all the custom URLs and custom views and everything that had to happen because somebody made it that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, you need to find that instance and shoot it. I did. 
That's kind of how I earned my bones in this space. <laughs> no, I launched that. I, I nuked that thing from orbit and then sowed the earth with salt. <laughs> well done. Yeah. All right, Corey, oh, hit him with number two. So let's talk about number two. Number two is going to be, you know, you need to have a history of actually doing things like this, right? A history of solving novel problems. And what that means is you need to be in a situation where you know, the business or your IT hierarchy comes to you and says, hey, we have this problem that we can't quite figure out how to solve. You need to have been that person or been on that team that says, you know what, we can handle that. And then you execute and you actually, and you build it and it's successful. And you get the, I won't say the accolades, but you get the credibility that comes with that. I think what we don't often see enough or what we take for granted is that championship team that has the ability to knock out these problems as if they are routine. I think what we need to ensure is that as a part of your team, as a part of the DNA of your team, you have that problem solving skill, you know, and that credibility to get things done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's one of the things. Credibility and reputation are the currency that buys you into bigger games. That's a, that's a great way of putting it. The, you know, the credibility that buys you into bigger games. Because when someone comes to you and says, hey, we want you to do this thing that's going to affect the entire enterprise. They're not coming unless you've already mm -hmm. proved that you can do something similar before. Right. Or kind of like if you go to the high roller table at Vegas, nobody invites you to it, right? Nobody says, hey, right. would you like to play a hand with? No, you, you walk in with your swagger and with your money. If you've done the hard work, if you've gotten yourself in harm's way all these years so you can solve the hard problems, then that's the kind of currency that you're going to need when you go to your organization and say, hey, listen, like I know we got this pandemic going on. I, I want to deploy this app on ServiceNow and I want to do it tomorrow. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you have some kind of reputation to back your credibility. How Absolutely. do you, how, how might, how might somebody, if somebody isn't there yet, how are they going to do it, Corey? Well, I mean, you just got to do the work as you know, that's one of the things that it really just comes down to is being, is doing the work, being able to be the person to be in the room, talk the talk and actually walk the walk. Um, I think there are a lot of people who are able to talk to talk, but when it actually comes to execution, they're not, they're unable to do so. Mm -hmm. And that gets noticed, right? You might not hear it in the immediate term, but you might not get asked to come back to the game again. One of my, one of my mentors described it as get in harm's way. Oh yeah. Right. Like early yeah. on, get in harm's way. It's just, is that way over your head? Take that project <laughs> exactly, know, and learn the hard way. And it's going to be painful, but then that pain has its rewards in the future. One of the things too that I've learned over the course of my career is be the guy in the meeting who wasn't invited but can sit down anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Funnily, I, I suddenly had this flashback of Pulp Fiction. Oh, you're sending the wolf, man? Oh, that's all you needed to say. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's kind of like in music, right? The one the one name uh, artist, you know, mm -hmm. Beyonce, Cher. The one name artist. Yeah, that's Be the one name artist. You know, and once you're that person, the, the business, you know that the business trusts you and you know they're going to come to you with the problem. Or you can, you can come to them with the problem that's and they're right. going to sign off on it. That's right. That's right. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? So it, it, not only do you have to have a history of solving novel problems, but also number three, you have to have a high performance team or good partners, other people who have done the same toil and have the same credibility. Amen. So this comes in different shapes and sizes, right? It's not like you need to have 10 of the best devs in the industry, right? You just need to have a team that is good at understanding what the customer needs 
and is good at building the solution and is good at delivering it in a reasonable amount of time. Absolutely. Right. High quality of work, reasonable amount of time and understands what the people are asking for. You know how customers ask for things only in the context of the world they know. So it, yeah. like, it just sounds like gibberish, but you can understand it anyway. So that's yep. what we mean by having a high performance team. Yeah, I was going to say, especially in the circumstances where the customer is asking for it and only that worldview and being able to translate it out of that into the ServiceNow worldview so that you can actually ex execute on the project that they're asking you to build. Again, we're pragmatists. We know that the word team is pretty flexible. Like <laughs> we know that there's teams of one out there fighting the good fight. So no matter what size your team is, it's just a question of making sure that you're a well-oiled machine in terms of understanding the customer, getting things done, delivering quickly and delivering quality. I also include in there being well partnered. So if you're not satisfied with the quality work of your partners, like change that. Like Absolutely. find a new partner. There's a lot of different partners now. And the partner ecosystem is really niching down. So you don't have to worry about if you have just a generalist partner and they're not cutting the mustard, like go find somebody else. Now's a great time to do it too. So have a high performance team around you. Let's um, drill in on that a little bit too and cut the BS, right? Your partner <laughs> works for you. <laughs> you know, so if you're not happy with your partner, get a new partner. You don't work for them. You don't owe them anything. You're mm -hmm. They're providing a service to you. You're giving them money in exchange for a service. If they can't provide the service up to your standards, find someone who can. It's mm -hmm. really, really simple. It's not done often enough. You should. We should change that. So I don't look like I'm high and mighty from my ivory tower. I've been the partner who's been replaced. Yeah, right? that's and it, you don't even have to think of it in terms of like, they're a bad partner. It's does the partner give you what you need? So back when I ran like a services shop, I lost business because it's like I couldn't on the drop of a hat, I couldn't put five people on a project. Right. Right. And so it's just kind of like you don't you can't scale the way we need you. Great. They found yeah. a new partner. I'm glad they did. So with no malice or assumption of ignorance, just make sure your partner's working for you. I've been in a situation where I've been the partner that's been asked to come on site. And, mm -hmm. you know, I do go on site occasionally. I just don't do it all that often. And I'm really picky about it when I do. And, you know, in this particular case, I didn't have on site availability. Well, they really felt like in order for the workshops to function properly, they needed someone on site. Mm -hmm. So after, you know, three, four weeks of, of being embedded with this client, they moved in a different direction. No harm, no foul. Hit them with number four, Corey. Number four, executive buy-in and visibility. <laughs> so I can sum this one up in one word. Right, that's trust. You got to be trusted by your enterprise, trusted by the C-suite or whatever the approximate of the C-suite is that's calling the shots, right? You need to be the guy who can get things done and everyone knows that you get things done so that when you ask to get things done or you're told to get things done, it's expected, right? You need to have that buy-in from from the folks who are, who are making the deals, who are signing the checks, who are approving the processes. Right. Mm -hmm. So that they, they have an expectation of you and they have a trust of you. So when that work is handed over to you, you get the leeway to run with it. Nobody wants to be in a situation where you get asked to uh, shoulder the load of the world, but you only get like a day to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, when you have that trust, you could go in and say, well, you want this in a day. It's actually going to take three. Right. And you get that extra that extra bit of leeway because they trust that you actually know what you're talking about. You know, having that visibility internally and having that trust for that buy-in from uh, the executive team is priceless when you actually mm -hmm. want to execute a big solution, right? And Especially this, a big solution that's going to 
have visibility outside of the borders of the company. You may be thinking this has shades of previous points, right? This has shades of, you know, history of solving novel problems and being a champion. It has shades of good architecture. It's got shades of high performance team. Absolutely. But but the reason we make this a separate point is that sometimes you have the good architecture and the history of being a champion, but there's still no senior leadership idea that this platform is strategic in this way. Right. Right. Like you can have the others, but still not have this. And it's hard to get, but you have to have work. Yeah, exactly. And you have to, you basically have to have a senior leadership team that realizes that, Hey, we have this pandemic on our hands we have all kinds of new things to worry about, like who who's used what meeting room when and who else did they get in contact with? Right. And then they have to be within the first three or four apps that they think about, they have to think about service now. In some respects, paying those those other points dues earlier helps you with this because if you're doing if you have good architecture and you have a history of solving good novel problems and you've got a high performance team you should be focusing on the solutions that are going to get those senior leader eyes open always be thinking about leveraging performance analytics and reporting and vivid charts to get that story out there so that they see that you move the needle with the regular stuff and let's be real if you're not solving problems that have executive visibility then you're not solving the right problems testify brother testify (laughs) there's one more we got uh here for him robert well why don't you go ahead and tee that one up okay we just edited out yeah Corey and i just edited out like five minutes worth of swearing and laughing because number five is really number four restated (laughs) and that is platform with a strategic identity and maybe we shouldn't have decoupled these but we did we're gonna say it anyway Platform with a strategic identity means that, okay, so there's executive buy-in, meaning an executive will basically look at your project and say, yep, do it. But you have to have this idea that the platform is strategic. So there are people that will buy in heavily to ServiceNow as an ITSM platform. Right. You know what? We're going to change this one on the spot. Platform. Platform, double emphasis, with strategic identity in the company. They have yeah. to see ServiceNow as a platform, not as an ITSM tool not as the isn't that the help desk ticketing tool god i said oh oh my god i was involved in a conversation just a month ago and they were just like we're deploying itbm and they're like yeah but this is just a help desk tool it's like uh guy you just spent like six figures on it (laughs) you spent that money right anyway (laughs) anyway like ServiceNow has to be perceived as a platform and it has to be perceived as a strategic platform. And that's the difference between this point and the executive buy-in. This takes a lot of work, right? Because as Robert just said, you know, often you get, you parachute into a situation where ServiceNow is looked at as the ticket and tool for the service desk. And if that's the case, how are you going to ever convince uh, executive leadership that this is the platform that should run the COVID response page for the entire Los Angeles area? Right. Mm-hmm. Like you're not. They will trust the guy in the corner who can build them a web page on some archaic IIS system uh, that the server that's been running for right. the last 15 years before they trust service now to it. And that makes zero sense, but it's familiarity. Right. It's because it's the service now platform in that specific instance does not have an identity that's strategic to the company. So you need to be right. working at that. The first chance you get, it goes into uh, evangelism, which goes into being a good architect, which should inform your every decision. Listeners, if you need help making this case, 
consider now now could be the watershed moment where you can bring this visibility to your organization companies spend the most on apex development like the best of the best developers get put on the apps that make that company digitally unique when i worked at the best developers were dealing with the reservation systems the property management systems the point of sale systems uh, anything that had to do with branding right in in, in a digital application sense they're not going to take those devs off of those core digital uniqueness activities so that they can build a cool app for anybody else. They're right. not going to do it. So this is the time where you can stand up and say, listen, we've got a new problem. It needs workflow. It needs control and governance and visibility. We got this platform that's built for that. And so we don't have to do all the hard grassroots development of like, oh, let's get a database and then let's build an interface that connects to the database. And you don't start from scratch. You just say, okay, listen, ServiceNow has already got a work tracking framework to it. Let's build off of that. Now could be the time that you go out there and be that platform champion. When we said earlier, get in harm's way. This is the harm. Get in the way. And then there's two other things, right, that you want to tack on to that. One, you're going to tell them that, you know, our genius developer is already busy making sure that our that the apps that run our business continue to stay running our business. Mm -hmm. And two, I could turn this around in three days. Those are the benefits to you being in harm's way. These are my credentials. This is what's going to get get us through. Give me a shot. Yep. Our team is used to deploying these things quickly at speed at high quality with good architecture. Exactly. And you guys already know this because you have bought into ServiceNow. So that's bringing them all together. Okay. So just in review, the points we covered is the five pillars of getting apps deployed when they matter most is having good architecture, a personal history of solving novel problems that matter to the business, having a high performance team that can understand what the customer needs, deploy it in good timeline with good quality results, executive buy-in in terms of they know what ServiceNow is, and number five, that there's a perception that ServiceNow is a platform and not just the help desk ticketing tool. I think that's a great summation, Robert. Talk a little bit about a couple of apps that we've built in situations like this that kind of transformed the business a little bit, kind of created a, an insane amount of value. Um, we were asked to do it in a very small amount of time. That perfect um, storm, right? This matters yeah. now, right now. And it's so big and it, and, and you just do it. You do it right yeah. there, fast and profound. Double points when it's actually a cool solution at the end of the day. So the one that, that comes to mind for me is, is certification of Active Directory groups. The problem was we have a ton of Active Directory distribution groups. We need to manage ownership. We need to manage membership. We need to do this on an ongoing basis. And oh, by the way, we don't know any of this right now. We got security issues around this. We don't necessarily know who the current owners are and we don't necessarily know how to select one. And and we need it done quickly too, because we like to have this done before the end of the uh, of the current fiscal year. That's about three months. Yeah, no sweat. I got you. <laughs> you know, the solution that that was built used uh, ServiceNow's data certification engine. And I cannot speak more highly of the ServiceNow's data certification engine, right? It data certification engine is the dark horse of the platform. It is the app. most awesome, least heard of app I have ever seen. <laughs> there, there is just so much you can do with it. I mean, yeah. especially when you get down to the, to the nitty gritty of running a business and keeping things up to date, mm -hmm. it's just amazing. It's the first thing that popped in my, in my head. We want to certify data, right? Not necessarily a CI, mm -hmm. but we're going to 
groups as a CI, and we're going to certify them, right? And we're going to do this on a rotating window. And then we're also going to ensure as we certify them that we can audit them. Well, three months ago, such and such was the owner of this group, and they certified that the membership was correct. The point here is that we certified the membership, and then we cross-certified the ownership based on the membership. Let's say there's 10 members in a group. We asked the members of the group, who should be the owner? And that, that person gets elected as the owner. Anyway, problem problem was solved in about three months, delivered an insane amount of value, was all automated, and it was it became a system they never had to touch again. When you say three months, was the app built in three months or the problem that the app was built to solve was solved in three months? The app was built in three months. I left out the part about the custom interface in the service portal. <laughs> I, I saw it. So trust me, it was awesome. <laughs> That was, yeah, that was probably the best part of the app, actually. And because one of the requirements that I left out is that the app had to be pretty. The user base for the app was just, uh, was your regular ordinary end user. Yeah. So it wasn't IT certifying the ownership of the group. It was the business certifying the ownership of the group. And exposing data certification to the business was kind of a no-go. Okay. So there we go, folks. Good architecture, because Corey clearly understood that what they're talking about. We got to clean up all these Active Directory groups, but Corey knew the customer well enough to know that the people who were requesting and therefore could only be the ones that certified that the data was correct weren't IT people. And if he had just deployed base data certification, awesome as that application is, it would have been like stepping on a rake. And then it would have been done, right? And again, I saw that app because everybody's got this problem, right? How do I keep my Active Directory data actually like certified and verified and clean? If you want to talk to Corey about that, we're going to have the link in the description of this video is techvoyant.com. Please reach out. We'll move on to my use case. So I worked at a hospitality brand and they had kind of a call center for any experience you had with the brand. Like a com- you can think of it like a com- complaints line. They were using a Salesforce app, which was absurdly expensive. Like if you ever thought ServiceNow was expensive, like it just looks like a rounding error compared to what they were paying for this <laughs> Salesforce app. And they were so desperate for a solution. And I was making waves because I was basically re-architecting the entire platform. And so I had that executive buy-in and platform with strategic identity already in the bag because IT tickets were like probably 25% of the total volume going on here. They basically said, we need to get rid of this absurdly expensive license for an app that we hate. Can you do something? And it was literally like fly out, talk to the stakeholders, and you better have a design when you land back home. (laughs) (laughs) And it was literally like I spent two or three days like watching the people work. And I was like, oh, my God, uh, this is horrible. And I basically drew something out on a napkin and said, does this look like it might make sense? And because it did make sense, because I actually like sat and worked with the people and asked them decent questions about how this work gets done, I figured out a really good design. And luckily, I had Joel Olives in my back pocket at the time. As soon as they put a green check mark on my napkin, (laughs) um, I just handed that napkin over to Joel. And like two days later, we were, we had a, uh, a, a, like a beta group. We reduced the license expense by order of magnitude. Uh, But more importantly than just the license expenditure, like they told me, hey, it takes us a month to train people to use this app. When I was on the front lines, they were like, no, it's kind of like 12 months. Oh, wow. Because the whole basis of the app was just uh, like a six-tier category tree memorization. Can I swear? God, I... I 
hate category trees. And this one has a <laughs> six-tier category tree. It was awful. I was going to ask, is this where the <laughs> hatred of category trees start? No, it's not where it started, but it definitely got some momentum there. <laughs> Yeah, we picked up some speed. <laughs> so, yeah, but like, okay, so this is a solution that became the backbone for collecting customer experience for a major hospitality brand. And we did that in days. And, and the that, fallout of that was right. basically like, yeah, we were, we got so good, so good at collecting customer experience data that all of a sudden the marketing team was like, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and take that data from you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Which is the highest compliment you could get paid in the hospitality industry. When the marketing folks said this data is too important for you, then, <laughs> uh, then you've we made it. Exactly. We could put that to better use than you can. <laughs> right. So like I had, like I had known enough about the platform that I could bring the good architecture. I, I they had hired me because I had the history of sol solving novel problems. Right. And the, I had the high performance team in place. And before right. I got there, there was that executive buy-in and the whole idea that this platform is strategic. It's not just ITSM. Right. So I had all those five things battened down. And then that's that's basically the only reason I was able to, you know, fly, like fly out, fly in and in a week have a design and two days later be prototyping it. And then the outcome of all of that was what? Trust. Right. Yeah. More so, trust. Yeah. More happy customers. Yeah, absolutely. OK, folks, that's the five pillars of deploying big solutions when it matters most. And two little anecdotes about how we did it. Just keep your ears open. We have a lot more content on the way. Uh, thanks for watching. Be sure to read the description. Corey's uh, architecture consulting firm is listed. It's TechVoyant. And as everybody knows, I'm at Vivid Charts. Stop spending stupid amounts of time manually exporting data from ServiceNow so you can build your reports out the side of the tool. Get everything done inside the tool, vividcharts.com. Thanks so much for watching, folks. We will see you next time. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care.